Welcome to F This Weekly, the podcast for and about the ladies and anyone who gives an F. I'm Paula Mardo. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for the newsletter at fthisweekly.com slash getfedup. What a week. There is so much to talk about and digest and break down. Honestly, I'm still processing just what the F just happened this week, but it's all good stuff. I think I'm going to do a post-event recap episode like what Mark Marin did after he spoke with President Obama. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, I highly recommend that you do. The podcast is called What the Fuck with Mark Marin, and the episode with President Obama features a really candid and insightful conversation with the president. Yes, Obama spoke in a podcast called What the Fuck. I'm telling you, man, podcasts are coming up. If they haven't or aren't already. Look out for my post-event recap episode next week because, phew, there is a lot to talk about. But the main thing is this. Last Saturday, I had the pleasure of hosting F This Weekly's first live event, Women for the Win, a panel discussion featuring kick-ass women filmmakers at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival's Conference for Creative Content. I spoke with some amazing, inspiring, and seriously effing awesome filmmakers, including producers Effie Brown and Janet Yang and directors Lena Khan and Pamela Tom. We talked about everything from Oscars So White to Ghost in the Shell, to Women Things, to David Blaine. Yes, magic was involved in this discussion. Major props to festival organizers David Magdale, Abe Ferrer, Francis Collado, and Milton Liu for helping make this happen. I don't want to spoil the discussion too much, so I'm just going to go ahead and play it for you in full right now. Take note, Hollywood. The times, they are a-changing, and these women are here for the win. Episode 25... Here we go. On my way to Miami, I see all kind of freaks. Hello. Hey, guys. Thanks for waiting. Um, We're really excited about this next panel. Um, This panel's uh, done with Paula Mardo moderating. It's F This Weekly, her podcast. And the panel's called Women for the Win, Transcending the Inclusion Crisis and Gender Gap in Hollywood. So let's give them a round of applause. Welcome everyone to the first live edition of F This Weekly, the podcast for and about the ladies and anyone who gives an F. I'm Paula Mardo. Thanks for tuning in and for being here. Give yourselves a round of applause for being here. And if you haven't heard of F This Weekly, it's a podcast where basically we talk to women of color working in film, the arts, and entertainment. We talk about their experiences and stories. And I'm really happy to be here with these fabulous women uh, at Women for the Win here at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival's Conference for Creative Content. It's very on brand for me and my podcast, just so you know. but we're here to talk. So I'm gonna welcome and introduce you guys to these talented filmmakers here. But beforehand, I just wanna let you know, feel free to tweet or Facebook post throughout this panel. I know the uh, festival has their own hashtags. 
somewhere, it might be in the program. But our hashtag is WomenFTW. So if you have any thoughts or questions or just want to tweet about being here, feel free to do so. We won't judge you for being on your phones, I promise. Um, and uh, yeah, so without further ado, allow me to introduce our panelists. First, uh, to my left, Pamela Tom is the director of the festival centerpiece film, Tyrus. Yeah. And it's actually screening tonight. Uh, she also directed the narrative short, Two, Two Lies, and was producer at KCET, where she oversaw several national PBS primetime series. And she was also the director of diversity at Film Independent, yeah. where she was a leading spokesperson on diversity in the film industry with Project Involve. Yeah. Welcome, Pamela. And to Pamela's left is Janet Yang. Janet Yang is the managing director of creative content at Tang Media Partners, and she is the producer of several film and television shows, including The Joy Luck Club and Shanghai Calling. Mm -hmm. She began her career bringing Chinese cinema into North America, then representing Hollywood studios to broker the first sale of American films into China, leading to her joining Steven Spielberg on the production of Empire of the Sun and serving as president of Ixlan, I hope I said that right, a company she formed with Oliver Stone. Welcome, Janet. Thank you. And next to Janet, we have Effie Brown. She... Effie is the EVP of development and production for Lee Daniels Entertainment. She is a producer of film and television shows, including the acclaimed independent feature, Dear White People, she has also served as producer and mentor alongside Matt Damon and Ben Affleck <laughs> in the infamous <laughs> reboot of HBO's Project Greenlight. We're so lucky to have you here. Thanks for coming up. <laughs> and last but certainly not the least, the director of the festival's opening night film, The Tiger Hunter, Lena Khan. Uh, with undergraduate degrees in political science and history from UCLA, Lena went on to graduate from UCLA's prestigious School of Theater, Film, and Television. And since then, she has been directing short films, commercials, and music videos. And The Tiger Hunter is her first feature film. Not a bad way to start. Welcome. So thank you all for joining us here. Um, and thank you so much to the festival organizers, Francis Collado, Milton Liu, Abe Ferrer, and David Magdale for making this happen. Um, this is kind of historic for me. I hope it is for you. I see a lot of women yeah. in the audience, so I'm very excited about yes. that. Um, but for the men in the audience, you are all welcome here, too. This is a totally <laughs> inclusive space. There you go. Women you go. for the we win. Love you. We love you. Yeah. Okay, so I thought I would start this off with a question that I ask all my guests on the podcast, and you can choose to answer this however you wish. Where are you really from? <laughs> <coughs> and anyone can start. We can start with Lena if you want. No pressure. No, when I answer, I, I, I know what they're asking. So I'm like, I was born in Canada, and then I just wait to see whether they have that look. Like, no, that's not what I'm asking. And if they seem like they're a friendly person, then okay, fine, my parents were from India. And if they're not a friendly person, I'm from Southern California. <laughs> born in Canada, grew up in Southern California. That's it. Excellent. So it kind of yeah. depends on your audience. Yeah. Where am I from? I'm a, a, a black girl from New Jersey. That's where I'm from. <laughs> and I'm here now, so very happy to be here. Thank you. You made it, yay. I made it, finally, out of Jersey. She's got a whole story about how she got here, but we'll get to that later. 
I sometimes think I'm from another planet. But um, planet Earth, uh, what, my, what people are often wondering, fathers from Shanghai, mothers from Hunan, but what they want to know is where I'm from, I guess. The Chinese want to know where my parents are from. I am, sometimes I answer, I was born in Queens. I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood on Long Island, but I actually love California, so I like to say I'm from California. Nice. Excellent. Hi, I'm a proud fifth generation Chinese American Angelino. My family's been here since the 1870s. Wow. So there you go. Yeah, so. Go back. LA, okay. Um, so you're all filmmakers from different backgrounds, working in both independent and mainstream film. I just want to ask, how did you guys end up choosing the role of being a director or producer, roles that not a lot of women growing up, you know, say like, I want to be a director when I'm growing up? Because when a lot of us were growing up, a lot of the directors and producers were mm -hmm. older white men. So <laughs> they still are. They still are, <laughs> exactly. So I just want to ask, how did you guys choose to do what you do now? And we'll start with Janet. I never imagined I would end up here, but I went to live in China after college because I decided I need to learn Chinese and figure out what the other half of my, my existence was all about. And while I was there, I saw a lot of Chinese movies and television shows, naturally, and a light bulb went off in my head. And I realized I had never been in a position to get excited about Chinese characters on screen, large or small. And then I thought, I have to bring these films out because if people saw these films, they would see us in a more three-dimensional light. So after I did that for a while, I had this opportunity to work with Steven Spielberg on the movie Empire of the Sun in Shanghai. And that's when another light bulb went off. And I said, oh, if we are the people behind the camera making choices about what's in front of the camera, that's even more empowering. And then we can change the world. So that's really the beginning. Um, I like having the final say in things, so <laughs> I don't think I would be able to give that away. So um, I produced this movie too for that reason. Um, I used to work in development for a number of years, and a lot of the stuff that I wanted to see, I wanted it to have the light of day. I don't know where, whether it would have made it through kind of the risk-averse industry. And so I went around, you know, raising money for this movie. Spent like a year going knocking on random like venture capitalist doors. And then once we've actually made it and it has like brown people, ooh, now the same people who were kind of risk averse at the beginning are coming back and are interested in it. So it's kind of more like putting the content out there that I felt like people would want to see, but maybe people didn't want to take a risk on at the beginning. Hmm. Um, I became a producer. Well, one, I'm naturally bossy. And, um, and I'm an army brat. And I, when growing up in Jersey, I mean, it's sort of like I, I tell the story quite a bit. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't really ever get to see myself on film, you know, or on television. And, you know, I love TV. I love TV. And I'm kind of dating myself. I'm like 44. But, you know, like, we're, like we had good times. You know what I mean? We had, um, and I'm not going to throw shade on anything, but there were things like that was not my, um, that was not my experience. Or, you know, you have, like, give me a break, you know, which is sort of going back to, well, I'm not a, you know, a, a caretaker of white people's children. Or, you know, different strokes or things of that nature. And I never got to see me in Gilligan's Island. You know, like, those sorts of things in the threes company. And I was like, I knew that this had to change. And I knew that you could change the world, you know, in my opinion, through film. Like, I remember watching Alien, Terminator, and seeing a woman being um, 
the hero and in charge. The black guy almost got to live to the end and alien. <laughs> no, but for real, like those were the things. I was like, we can do something. Like it's possible to do it. And, um, and that's always been, that's been, I've always known just even from Jersey, like this is where I want to be and this is what I want to do. And I'm really grateful for now being able to put, or to help facilitate putting different images of people of color and women and the marginalized on film and TV. But I know we're probably gonna get to it, but I also feel that like, I'm sort of looking to you all to be like, we need more of us out there because like just looking at like this sort of like, and we'll get to like the casting that's being done for roles yeah. that are not, you know what I mean? It's like, you ain't from that. You know, I, I think it's something that we need more of to sort of stop this. Well, um, the reason I got interested in film is I could just blame it on my dad. Um, being an Angelino, you know, what we did for entertainment is we, we got dragged out to Westwood and watched movies basically the entire weekend. And then, of course, when I go to college, it's like, no, you have to go to med school. Pre-med, pre-med. And I was like, but dad, all I ever did was watch movies. So, you know, after graduating, it was like, I'm going to film school. He's like, I'll pay for med school, law school, maybe business school, but forget film school. So I had to pay for it myself. But still, he planted the seed and, you know, and speaking of dating ourselves from TV, Kung Fu, okay, whenever it came on TV, our family dropped everything to watch it because there was this image of a Chinese person on, on TV. So, you know, that kind of fueled me. That was the beginning of that and, you know, mm -hmm. you know. but anyway, that's my short. Um, and we'll get to the cast. I feel like the casting thing is such a big deal. It's such a big um, deal. So I might as well just ask it. I had this whole list, but I'm going to jump to that. Um, so everyone here is familiar. You know, I actually read this really interesting article uh, on nerds of color, and the headline was literally, what a shitty week it is to be an Asian American woman in Hollywood. And it really is. And honestly, um, you know, we've heard about the Elizabeth Banks casting in Power Rangers, obviously Scarlett Johansson and Ghost in the Shell, and then the Doctor Strange um, yeah. thing as well. So anyway, um, I actually want to pose this to Janet because um, I feel like a lot of the big studios are always looking to make films that work not just domestically but on the international front as well. Um, and I know you have a lot of experience with working with China. Do you feel like casting Asian roles um, in, American, in American movies is actually beneficial to the Chinese market or like, do you agree with kind of how the studios are handling it right now? I think we're in a whole new era what's maybe not obvious to everyone yet, but will be probably in the next couple of years, is that China is, is a big force in the, inter, in the global entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. Studios will be bought by Chinese. Uh, they're already obviously AMC and all these other companies being formed. <laughs> Every studio practically now has a partnership with a Chinese company and they need the cash. So they are going to listen. This has never, ever happened before in the history of Hollywood. So American audiences have been spoiled to death because for the last hundred years, films have been made for this audience. And I think what's really interesting is that so all these amazingly talented writers, producers, directors, cast, you know, actors here, but always telling stories from a specific point of view. It was nobody ever challenged that. And those films have been seen around the world and have really affected, I think, global politics and everything. And for the first time, there's another voice in the room, a big one, because it's financing a lot of these films, which says, you know what, let's 
mix it up a little bit because you can take those same skills and tell different kinds of stories with different points of view. Now, what does it mean? I often do find myself in this a little bit uncomfortable position. You know, there are people who advocate greater, more films from Asia and more Asian, uh, Asian-centric films, Asian filmmakers with Asian, Asian stars, and then, you know, what does it mean for the Asian-American community? I do think, in the end, it's going to be a benefit. Here's just a few examples. Um, they made, uh, apparently, I haven't seen it yet, but the, the so-called sequel, not really, of Crouching Tiger. They were looking for English-speaking Asian actors. In the end, it was pretty comical. They ended up dubbing it into Chinese because I think they really, the Weinstein Company and Netflix couldn't really figure out what they, what audience they were really appealing to. In the end, they figured it was, you know, because Crouching Tiger did so well internationally, despite being a Chinese language movie, they probably thought, let's go for the international audience and do it in English, and then they changed their minds in post-production, so it's dubbed in Chinese. But everywhere, in China, at least, and in other parts of Asia, they are looking for English-speaking Asian actors. This is going to be a good thing for Asian Americans. Absolutely, and it's not obvious yet because it's all just happening. You know, the, the partnerships are being formed, the, the, everyone's trying, including myself, we're trying to figure out what is that content that organically incorporates Eastern and Western characters and, and themes and stories. It's not that easy, and it, it, there's no precedent for it, really, to do it right. And that's why there's this kind of awkward, you know, let's shove a Western character into a Chinese movie or Chinese character into a Western. It's not, it's not yet really seamless, but I, I, I'm optimistic, as I tend to be. So I think it's going to be good for everyone. I truly do. Um, and for... Lena and Pamela, you guys have uh, films in the festival. Um, you know, as women of color directors, I, I think, you know, there's not a lot of you guys doing what you do. And the stories that you've chosen to tell are also very, I, I don't know if niche is the word, but they are very personal stories with, like you mentioned, people of color leads. Did you find it hard to get people to get behind your films? Like, what was the experience like trying to push those movies forward? Oh. Well, you know, I've been working on this film for a really long time, and um, a lot of it had to do with funding. So, you know, my, my film is a documentary, so it wasn't a casting thing, but it was a, it was a subject. It was about a Chinese-American artist. And, you know, I, some of the feedback I got was, well, you know, it's not a national story. You know, it's like... It's but he did Bambi, though. I know. That's kind of a big and, deal. And, and I think it wasn't until, like, sort of the mainstream press kind of started shining the spotlight on him, and he was getting exhibitions at non-Asian museums, did people realize, oh, maybe this is a broader story, you know, this has a wider appeal, and then the funding became easier. But I had to sort of, that was part of my challenge as a director and producer, is to how to pitch this as something that is much more universal. Yeah, so, so did I answer your question? Yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah, no, it was, that was probably one of the biggest problems. I mean, when we were starting out, <clears throat> you'd think, of, okay, we have an Indian lead, how many Indian guys are there? And like these are the conversations we're having. Like, okay, well, there's only about three Indian guys in the entire industry who can really front this. Wow. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks, you know. And it's funny because our actual lead wasn't on that list, and he ended up. And for the people who saw it, I mean, he's incredibly charismatic. And once he actually came on board, and people were like, oh yeah, he's he's great. Then people started uh, being a lot more supportive of it. But nobody would take that first step. And every time we went into a room, even just people, and the funny part was it was people of our 
of my own community or communities, because there's so many different communities. They were the ones who are kind of more negative than even people in Hollywood, which is very interesting. They're like, who's going to watch that movie? It's just brown people. And that's what we got constantly. And then, you know, the theater here was sold out, and now, you know, we're very fortunate that we're getting good deals now. And those same people are almost starting to just now accept themselves. So it seems like that is the... I feel like that's a bigger problem even than what we're seeing in terms of, like, studios and deals and things like that. Because if we're not even giving ourselves that sort of respect, then nobody else is going to really give it to you. So. Mm -hmm. Word up. <laughs> Word up. <laughs> and Effie, you've worked in a lot of films that... You can drink your I'm water. It's totally fine. <laughs> and honestly, I'm throwing questions out here. Feel free to chime in wherever. I mean, I, I would love for this to be more of a conversation. And we'll obviously open it up to questions to the audience um, towards the end of the panel. But Effie, I feel like you've been able to work on a lot of movies with a lot of strong messages. Dear White People obviously was the most recent, more popular one. Um, you've been involved with Real Women Have Curves. Mm -hmm. How did you end up deciding to like work on these movies? Um, Mm. So, how do I end up um, deciding to work on these movies? I have to say, a lot of the movies that I choose to work on, um, they have to sort of grab me emotionally, and they also have to be something that has to be said. I don't know if you, how many of you are film, does, how many of you guys are filmmakers out there? Okay, so you're my people. Okay, good. <laughs> so you guys know that it takes like at least, you know, a good three years if you're, if it's fast-tracked to get a movie together. You know, you have to develop it for yep. a year, you're, you know, and then you find financing, you're in production for a year, and then you have to get it out, you know, um, you know uh, marketing and distribution. And for me, I have to, when I'm looking at a project, I have to really see, is this something that I want to be involved with for three, usually five or so years? So that emote, that content really has to get you know get me, and I and it's funny because like um, a lot of the movies that I do sort of has a pattern. Like I didn't realize that I was that chick where, but I am. <laughs> um, where you have like if you're something about the if you're the other if you're the person that doesn't fit in you know for whatever reason, I'm your girl. You know what I mean? Like it's like that's the movies that I wanted to see because when I'm growing up and now even as an adult I don't feel like I fit in. So I want to always see like the little guy or little gal like yeah succeeding, you know. Um, it was a long-winded answer. How do you like that? I loved it. <laughs> um, and I just want to get into it because I feel like a lot of people are maybe have this on their mind. So you rose to internet stardom slash ultimate gif <laughs> and memification. That's hilarious. After you know your appearance in Project Greenlight. And the infamous Damon splaining, <laughs> white splaining incident. Yeah. Um, after all that, do you still find yourself being that person in the room, or have things improved? No. You know what's interesting? <laughs> I still find that I'm, you know, that person in the room. And what's interesting is I'm on a, a different little bit of a level now, where I have to play it. Like this is the world that you're. Like I look at you because you're like the studio, like, you know, goddess. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, I've always been sort of indie, you know. And I, and that, but now I'm in rooms where I'm like, oh my god, like you're the head of a studio. You're saying something crazy, but like, okay, you know. Like, you have to sort of like, you know, figure out how to maneuver and be more diplomatic. Um, but it doesn't change. But what has, what has been really great from that experience, is that I found that I wasn't alone. I found that you know people were like, oh, you know what happened to me. That you know, able to tell stories, and through the sharing of those stories, 
I didn't feel so, like you were talking about like, who's gonna, three brown people, who's gonna watch that? You're like, there's continents of us. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what, you know what, I mean? like, what are you saying about, you know? Um, anyway, but so that, that, I find that it's sort of, I've gotten a bit more common ground with people and people see that there is an issue and, um, and God bless, like I love, I love an Anglo man, like God bless them, <laughs> you know, but they also are starting to realize, I think that they just have some, they're not even aware of it. They're just not, sometimes they're just not aware. And also speaking to a little bit of what you were saying, somehow we, and I'm just gonna say it's women and people of color, we've somehow like said okay to it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and now we're saying no, but we sort of took a back seat and we're like, oh yeah, you're right, our films don't sell overseas. Oh yeah, you're right, we'd much rather see Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt is lovely to look at. But there's, you know, there's other people than that, you know? I feel like several of you have been working in this industry, like you said, on the studio side um, mm -hmm. and on the independent side for a number of years. And, you know, sexism, racism, that's been around forever. Right. But it's only recently, due, you know, due to like Oscars So White and things like that, that people are openly talking about it. Mm -hmm. What was it like back in the day when no one <gasps> talked about it? <laughs> I'm not trying to date I anyone. Like I, I, just, these young people. <laughs> I just want dinosaur <laughs> era <laughs> when it was just paleolithic. I didn't mean to phrase like, it that way. What? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was watching Saturday morning <laughs> cartoons at the time, so. Exactly. So you guys go ahead. Uh, okay. uh, I'm, certain, I'm certain I'm the oldest person on this panel, so maybe I should speak. It was different. It was different. I sometimes get together with friends who were peers back in the day. I'm not going to say exactly which day. Is that okay? But I'm so, I didn't mean day. to date you. I'm really, I'm <laughs> I don't mind. It's all an open book. What's, what's the secret these days? You can look anything up. You can find out my exact birthday if you're really that interested. Um, it's not that interesting, um, except that I was born on a Friday the 13th. But, um, <laughs> but it was different. And there was this, when I first arrived in LA, I was hired by a studio. This guy at MCA Universal found me in San Francisco when I was distributing Chinese movies. And he wanted to hire me because he saw an article about me in the San Francisco Chronicle saying, I love China, I love movies, I want to blah, 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 whatever. And somehow he just plucked me out of my little basement office that I was sharing with Wayne Wang and oh. had me um, move into the Black Tower at Universal. And of course, I felt like the luckiest girl alive. Like, how could I not? Because back then, the studios had this incredible monolithic reputation. Like, mm -hmm. you bowed at the altar of the studios. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'd go to work every day. The Black Tower, was I going to complain? I, my job then, yes, I was reporting to a group of men. I was always the only woman and always the only woman of color for sure or person of color but i just accept you accepted it because you, you you come into this world even as a child and you think this is i thought i was weird because i wasn't jewish so you come into this world you think this is how it is you don't think about changing the world right away you you first are learning about the world so i didn't complain at the beginning because i just felt like all these doors were opening up suddenly i'm on the set with steven spielberg you know with five thousand extras in shanghai how could i complain but after t a time you know, you become aware. And I think there's, there's two words that I just think about a lot, which is unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. it, it is not people with malicious intent necessarily. It is unconscious. We are all, I realized that I had unconscious bias. I was biased against our people because I never saw us being cool on screen. Like we, we weren't supposed to be on screen. So I just thought there was some 
reason why we couldn't be cool on screen. And, you know, then that's why China was a big wake-up call for me, because I saw people acting heroically or tragically or, you know, being romantic or being whatever, comic. It didn't matter, but it was three-dimensional characters. And the films were maybe not the global standard of films, but it just, that paradigm shift was so profound that we can create different kinds of characters. We can, cre we can cast people differently. Anything's possible. So that's why I, you know, it, that's why China has been so important to me, not just because of China per se, and now everybody wants to get into China for obvious reasons. No, because for me, it was a big psychological paradigm shift and awakening to my own unconscious bias. And then once you have that awakening, you realize, everything's kind of rigged, you know? I mean, you realize there are systemic issues and problems and, and habits and practices and biases, and so we just have to, it's all about awareness. Once you have that awareness, you realize, okay, we can change, and this is the dawn of a new era, whether it be women, whether it be diversity. The New York Times would not publish an article, you know, five years ago about Asians being cast, not being cast in these roles. This is somehow media, the, whatever it is that's going on, it's in the zeitgeist, and I really feel like no longer, it is not cool anymore, the, the thing that blew up with you and Matt, I mean, this is, it's all out there now, so it is time for us to hold hands, join forces, speak as a, you know, as a chorus, because we will be heard now. Yep. Snaps. <laughs> Woo! Um, that. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. please. I, I, just, I want to kind of address that question on two parts. One from a personal perspective as a filmmaker and the other as my role as an ad, uh, in advocacy for diversity. You know, as a, I'm really excited for fil filmmakers who are coming, filmmakers of color who are coming out of film schools now and getting, you know, getting their start because I think there has been a huge shift. Even though the numbers aren't there, the consciousness is definitely different. When I came out of film school, you know, I made this short, had a lot of attention. I was getting tons of meetings with you know, executive development executives at studios, and I'd tell them what I was writing, and then they'd give me this blank stare, like, I love your film, but there's no way I could touch that script. And um, so it was, just, it was just hard to kind of, you know, go from this exciting director with this interesting short to, uh, you know, making direct, directing films in Hollywood. So, um, and then I, I took kind of a circuitous route. I took nine years, not completely off filmmaking, but running this program called Project Involve, and it was a mentoring program for filmmakers of color. One of our first graduates was Effie. That's how I know Pam. That's how we know her. <laughs> I love her. She, got, she plucked me out. This is our poster child. And you know, I realized it's so important to start raising consciousness in the studios. We needed people of color, filmmakers of color, and gay and lesbian filmmakers to get mentors. And you know, when I was approaching mentors, it was almost, it was a little bit not charitable, but it was like, mm. oh yes, we'll you know we'll mentor a filmmaker of color, and you know we'll do we'll we're, we're do-gooders, and you know I. Uh, I appreciate and love all the mentors. I'm not trying to malign them. I'm just saying that the mentality, the general mentality was like, it's this nice little talent development mentoring program and we'll do that. But, you know, I, I was trying to make the argument, you, economic necessity, you need to do this for economic necessity as well as just for, to do good. And, you know, I mean, it's not just to do good, but you, you have to kind of, 
do, do work that reflects our, you know, our, what our society looks like. So I think that is shifting now. I don't think Absolutely. these programs are being seen quite in the way it was when they first started back in the 1990s, mid-1990s, late 1990s. Oof, so. That was that long time. But, yeah. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but anyway, so that's sort of my take on where it's come mm -hmm. since then as a filmmaker and as somebody who's running one of those programs. Awesome. Um, I totally agree. I feel like things are shifting. There's a lot of you know ranting going on on the internet, but there's also a lot of positive change happening. Um, we've seen you know box office successes with the Fast and the Furious franchise, which has people of color both in front of and behind the scenes. Uh, Inside Out was a female-driven story uh, with a diverse cast of multiple colors as well, and you also literally. had <laughs> literally and also behind the camera. And then you also had Star Wars: The Force Awakens, yeah. which had a black lead and a female lead, what? <laughs> um, and it was a huge success. So I think those are kind of little nuggets of change that we're finally starting to see on screen. What are things that you guys have seen? either on screen or behind the scenes in the work that you do that are positive, that are making changes within diversity, whether it's gender or race or whatnot? I mean, there's things that, you know, I'm watching and then there's things that I'm producing. So even on things that I'm watching, I mean, for my family, people I know, it's like a huge thing right now to see like, hey, there's an Indian guy on that show and he's not playing like the dude with an accent. With an right? accent. Yeah. It's a big deal. And it's like, mm -hmm. that keeps happening with different communities, right? You have like, oh, okay, suddenly that community is playing normal roles. This one's playing normal roles. And then we're still blocking ourselves from the other ones. Like, that transition can happen for all the communities, but we're still like, no, 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 we're not ready for that. We're not ready for that. But you see it happening. I mean, you see like, Cal Penn started making, you know, these small little movies where he was playing the dude with the accent. You know, but it was a comedy and it was fun, and then later he got on house, later right. he played normal roles. You know, and that can happen. You see so all kinds of different, mm -hmm. uh, different minorities and things like that. I mean, in stuff that I'm making, I mean, I have a guy, um, the main character of my movie, one thing that we wanted to do is, uh, main character is Danny Pudi from Community, and he's mm -hmm. awesome. I love him. Yeah, and a fun, <laughs> no, that's cool. <laughs> I'm glad that you love him. I love him, too. <laughs> and that's the fun part. Like, nobody cared. Like, oh, people, like, forgot that he's the random Indian guy because he was just so popular on Community that people were just really excited. And so we're like, okay, I'm already good on, like, we don't have to, it's like there was some pressure off that. And I'm like, you know what? People love Indian people, but somehow, even though the cultures are very, very similar, nobody likes Pakistani people. And so that's why we actually made the choice to make Babu, who's incredibly likable in that movie, mm -hmm. we're, like, we're gonna make him Pakistani because coming from a South Asian background, I'm Indian, but those cultures are very, very similar. I can't tell Pakistani, Indian people apart, cultures are very similar. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, but why is it that there's that divide? It's, it's, it's the religious stuff going on, it's all the like political things, so I'm like, we can mesh that a little bit. And then after a while, people started forgetting that he's Pakistani, and they're like, okay, I just like him. And so I, a lot of it has to be, you know, the, the advocacy that we do ourselves in putting ourselves out there Absolutely. in just normal, fun ways, you know? Absolutely. Um, as for myself, um, I am really excited about what, uh, what I'm watching and what's going on right now. I'm very, I'm all for, um, I think, people of color and women and people who are the other sort of going into mainstream genre. Like, I'm a huge nerd and I don't care, I'll admit it. You know, but I like Fear of the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead, black folks, white folks, Latino, Native, Asia, like everybody's together. And it's not about race, it's about survival. And, you know, like, but that's great, right? You know, and, I, you know, and I'm finding more and more shows when you talk about the economics, it's sort of like people now will tune in if it's like, oh, someone that I can relate to. You know, being like a, a, a black girl, you know, a black woman, you know, I'm always, if I'm wanting to watch like, you know, 
like a Sandra Bullock movie, I always have to sort of take myself out of it, sort of put myself in her shoes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's extra work that we have to do, and we people of color often have to do that when watching these movies. We have to take ourselves out, but now we're like, oh, I don't have to work that hard. I can just watch. Do you know what I mean? Like, she knows what I'm... So you don't I'm, relate to Sandra Bullock? I love Sandra Bullock and Nicola. I'm like, I do. I love some Sandra Bullock. I know, I'm not going to lie. But like those movies, like the John Hughes movies, like, growing, like just growing up and being like, we have to work so much harder. I mean, like, just talk... Sorry, total sidebar. <laughs> I love John Hughes, but like how racist was like 16 Candles? Oh my God. Do you remember yeah. that? Like, yeah. That's how old I, you know what I mean? I'm just being like, that's not okay yeah. anymore, you know? Um, but like doing those, but doing, but having multicultural people in a movie like Fast and Furious, whatever, I think rocks. One of the things that I'm doing now, working with the fabulous Mr. Lee Daniels, is that we have, and here's why I'm here, an inclusive television uh, development fund where we literally have a certain amount of money that we have to spend a year, where we're looking to get inclusive content. Uh, the world is so much bigger than just black and white people, and I realize that, so hello, my <laughs> people, come on in. Um, and telling different types of content. We're also having a film fund, the same thing. Um, and also, you know, uh, being able to take television shows and films that actually tell a different type of story that's still universal, but looks like people like me and you, you know? I'm so glad you're on this panel, Effie. I just want to okay. say, <laughs> no, I mean, first of all, you're just an amazing human being, but also there's been a little bit of a rift that occurred post-Oscars, and then we're going to talk about it later on the panel, but there was, uh, there was a lot of tension, I think, between the Asian and black communities, I just oh, want to say. Oh, yeah. And, oh, sorry. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, girl. I'm like, I'm no, like, I'm and so I, when, well, yeah, you are in your living room. <laughs> this is a big living room. But we, you know, we, I, we, we can talk about this more later, but, mm -hmm. but it was the year of the supposed racial sensitivity, and so we just and couldn't we figure like, out why, uh, right? So there's a whole other conversation happening, but we also don't want to, like, point fingers and say, how dare so-and-so or so-and-so come up with these jokes that weren't racially sensitive in our opinion. So we have a lot in common. Like, I, totally. want, I want us to, like, work together, yeah. you know? We, we're, there's strength in numbers. We, sure. there's so many people but of color. That is so true, I forgot all, all about that, that is yeah. so true. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're leaving us hanging, like we all want to know what the I drama know. was. But anyway, well, you have to come well, to the panel at five. You oh, saw oh, the Oscars. Say, okay. Yeah, what what did you see? Like, even I was like, what is it about, the Minions? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it was like a little crazy pants, even for myself, of having to be like, all right, but then I have my own opinions about the Oscars. I, I did want to ask about Oscars so white. I know uh, everyone here, there is a panel at 5 o'clock. There is a panel at 5 o'clock that Janet has put together with a bunch of awesome people. Um, so please stick around for that. Um, but I wanted to get your, all your takes on that because I feel like, you know, for the second year in the row, the big ruckus was all the nominees were, there was no people of color. And you know, there was a lot of tension with everybody about that. So what are your thoughts on that? And I feel, and I wanna actually bring up something that um, Spike Lee said, and Spike Lee was very vocal about this. And you know, he boy, well, technically not boycotted, but he did not attend, but he did say that the Academy is not where the real battle is. It's in the executive offices of oh. the Hollywood studios yes. and TV and cable networks. Do you, do you agree and how long do you think until we see a woman of color studio or network head? ABC. Didn't, studio? Uh, oh, really? Isn't she like uh, Chungi? I'm not messing up her name. Then I did not Say it again. Say, say it loud. Diana Williams knows. She knows everything. Go ahead. <laughs> say it again. 
she's a black woman oh, that's in charge Fox? of ABC. ABC? So you should have had her. Diana, Diana. Williams. Diana Williams, everybody. Diana right Williams. Over there. She knows everything. Thank you very much. Thank but you, she's Diana. my smart friend. <laughs> also, you're in the audience. I'm like, Chuck and Jay, like, you know, Channing Tatum? He's like, no, girl. No. He is not White in charge guy. of <laughs> But I'd watch it. Okay. <laughs> but actually, that's an interesting point that the head of ABC is a woman because, or a woman of color, because I feel like on the film side, the film side is different from television. Television is very much a diverse space. You have Fresh Off the Boat. You have Empire. Dr. Ken. Dr. Ken. Oh, um, what about on the movie side? What do you guys think? Mm. Being movie people. Okay, the economics of movie making by the studios has completely changed. So people yeah. ask me all the time, why hasn't there been another Joy Luck Club? Uh -huh. There's a very simple reason nobody would greenlight that film today. No studio would greenlight that film. It would be a tiny indie movie made for $300,000 because it has an all-Asian cast, blah, 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 blah. There was a time, and that's, I don't think I answered your question, by the way. What was it like back in the day? Back in the day, there was a lot of good news, too. The studios, because they financed almost all movies, they found interesting projects. All the films that I've made, and there's been about 18 of them, would not get made today. People vs. Larry Flint would not get made today. None of the films, I, I did all these indie films for $3 million that were financed yeah. with no stars, you know, yeah. South Central and, and whatever. So the problem is that the studios only make a certain kind of movie today, more or less. They used to maybe make 10, 15, 20 movies. Now they're making five and they're putting gobs of money into those five. Mm -hmm. And that is also the reason why we see fewer women in lead roles and fewer people of color in lead roles because there is this concept that they have that white guys can only save the world. And, you know, it's the superhero. If you can only be a superhero if you're a white guy. Black and that's all. That. that has got to change. change so the economics have created this situation. Like, they feel safer putting a white guy in tights. Period. So how Women should be wearing tights. It's a little bit of, like, Women just out of curiosity, of, like, it's a little bit of celebrity culture, too. Because they often go back to that and say... Um, like, oh, there's not a woman that can hold on or, or you know, that can, that's big enough. Do you know what I mean? I think that's also bullshit. Sorry, cursing. I don't think that that's actually correct, but it's that sort of celebrity. They use that. Do you know what I mean? Which drives me crazy. It's like the judgment that Melissa McCarthy gets that she can't open a movie. And she can consistently does it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do you think we can change that way of thinking? Like, what are, what are ways to change that? I know, Effie, you talk a lot about inclusive crews. Is well, that yeah, one? I mean, it's, here's the thing, it's not, I keep just saying, and, and we know it's not rocket science. You hire, you mentor, and you invest. Like, it's so easy to do. And I keep, like, you can read, I mean, I say that all the time, you can, you know, but in this instance, you guys are filmmakers. You know what you do? You better make a movie, television, or content that features the other. Someone who is not, and God bless, I love white people, I love you, but don't you have a, a lead being a, you know, a male, a white guy or a white woman? Do you know what I mean? Like have it be someone that represents you and your story. And for the lovely white people in the audience, you are more than welcome, but like, it's time for us to be inclusive. It's time, we've seen the movie, like, it's true, like if you think about it, how many superhero movies do we have? that don't have, like they're all really blonde haired, blue eyed. <laughs> and then the women, they're like, you know, and I'm a nerd, like, like Scarlett Johansson, like, you know, they're hi hypersexualized. 
And like the black guy like wears a mask, right? The, like the yeah. Iron Man side. And then he dies like halfway through. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> like, am I the only one? Maybe, no, but you know, <laughs> hardly. But I mean, it's not even like as a viewer. I'm not like a studio head, but you know, it's not. You don't have to be a genius to see like you're not gonna have a star who suddenly you can have like headline a super out here movie if you've never hired him before. So you have TV shows, you have our own movies that we're making. Like literally, those decisions came in even on the stuff that I'm making, and I'm producing another movie right now. It has to do with magicians, and so it's not necessarily a diversity movie. But people are asking those same questions, like, oh, is it okay if we make that actor like we have a Chinese American actor that we want to put him in, but you know he won't really be able to sell the movie. I'm like, this is going to get us nowhere, you know. Because these people will never get, you know, people will never be able to appreciate their talents. If it's exactly what she was saying. A lot of the time, even when we're making our own content as, you know, minority communities or whatever you yeah. want to say, mm -hmm. we're trying like so hard and we, pigeon we pigeonhole ourselves. So like, for instance, um, you know, one of my identities, my little checkboxes that somebody was telling me about yesterday, an agent I met with yesterday, he's like, you fill so many checkboxes. Oh I could have you working so many places. I was like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I can't really tell. He's like, you have at least four of them. I'm like, all right. And so, but you know, we have this thing like, okay, so for instance, one of those checkboxes, Muslim American filmmakers are just trying to get out there right now. Yeah. But so many of the content that I see young people, even younger than me, have been making is like, okay, let's make a movie that's like a reaction to everybody thinking we're terrorists. I'm like, not everybody wants to watch a movie about you apologizing for not being terrorists. Like, make a normal movie. Like, the lead character in my movie happens to be Muslim. It's tangential, the way like Seinfeld's Jewish. Right. But if you, it's just exactly what she was saying. Like, you start being inclusive and just portraying what is out there on the street right now, and then those people get discovered and like, hey, that actor's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Let's make him like, like a superhero. Where have you been all our lives? Yeah, and you're like, I've been right here. Yeah, right. Like, I think Cal Penn is awesome. My favorite guy on, on mm -hmm. you know, on Lost. Like, yes. my favorite characters were Saeed and Jin, you know? Mm -hmm. And those guys, those guys could totally headline a movie, you know? But if you hadn't put them there in the first place and you just had a whole bunch of Sawyers running around, running around then you wouldn't, like, be able to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sawyer's cool and all, but what is he doing right now? That's he true. is doing something right now. Sawyer huh? will always be doing yeah, something. Yeah, Sawyer will be. Uh, <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, what about behind the scenes? You're all, you know, directors and producers. You guys are like the decision makers when it comes to the movies, the creative direction and the way a production goes. What are ways that you can, you know, like there are a lot of women of color filmmakers here. Like what kind of advice would you give them to like, you know, how to get into this career, how to make it up the ranks and succeed? What are things that you have learned along the way? I threw like five questions. I just keep going back to the word mentor because, yeah. you know, Effie, Effie's mentor, an incredible producer named Lori Parker, was a friend of mine, and she just, she's such a giving, generous heart. And I mean, look at where, how, how far and Effie has come along. And a lot, of it, that woman. Uh, it a lot of it can be dated back to like the, just the encouragement, the nurturing, and the, 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 con the connections that were made through Lori. So I just tell everybody, you need to find a mentor, whether it's through a mm -hmm. formal program or just somebody whose work you really admire and just reach out to that person. Right. It's essential. Good. And she, I mean, just to sort of pipe in about this woman named Lori Parker, she was the person that told me something that I take to this day, which was, um, she said, Effie, they'll tell you a big lie that there's room for only one of us. And then you're gonna get to the top and you're gonna see that there's room for, so, for all of us. She's like, so as I'm, and I was getting emotional, like, as I'm leaning back to help you up, you better lean back to help up others. And like, and that's just, and that's how I was sort of raised when I came up through Project Involve. I was like, oh, that's, that's how it's supposed to be done. And that's what I've consistently done. And that's what I've surrounded myself with other people 
who have consistently done um, as well. I mean, in talking about for, you know, for behind the scenes, um, there are so many qualified, I'm gonna say it again, qualified people of color and women that can do every job on a set. And, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I have a list, I share that list with other producers, and, you know, and we hire, because if you hire people and you walk onto a set and it's diverse, I'm not saying I don't live in an all-black world, so like my whole set's not all black, you know what I mean? But if it's you have something that looks like, it looks like what my America looks like, you know? And it's a better set and it's a better time and it's better creatively. And I see that happening more. I mean, I do at least, I mean, when I'm walking onto sets and, and are you guys finding that? I mean, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, my mentor, I wouldn't have ever gotten anywhere with this project or the next one, Alan Powell, who I think is involved also with this conference, like took me on and kind of shepherded me. So it's always like, we always remind ourselves there's like two things. They always ask like, what's it like being a woman of color filmmaker or this oh, and that? Like, or what do you have? I'm like, I don't know where to go with that. But it's, it's a little bit about what she said. Like you remember the check boxes when it comes to who you can support and who you can help and just keep that eye out that sometimes people will be left behind or whatever it is, and then you have to forget it when you're moving forward because you know obviously it's not an excuse, nobody's gonna take it as one. But I wouldn't have been able to go anywhere uh, in my movie without those people like her who, who lean back and kind of uh, help you up a little bit. I had the best possible mentor, Kathy Kennedy. She's oh, so, I, I know. So <coughs> I was able to be helpful to them on that movie, but then she plucked me out of obscurity after that experience, which was positive for everyone. She said, why don't you be our executive at Universal working at Amblin? And like, I, that was my first experience working on a real movie. So she took a chance. I, I felt unqualified, but she gave me the confidence. And just by example, like it wasn't even, I'm going to be your mentor now, but she was just who she was. And I looked up to her and I learned so much. And I, I just, you know, I said, here's a woman who owns her power. She's in the room. She can talk to anybody. She never talks up or down. She's, everybody's the same. And so, that was the example that I could live by, and I try to, you know, replicate that in my work as well. That's great. That's awesome. Um, awesome. I think we can open it up to questions now. Would be a good time. Um, is there like a mic person? Okay. Does anybody in the audience have a question? I've been trying to skim the Twitter feed. Hmm. There's been a lot of great comments. No questions oh. yet. Oh, we have one up here. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, I just wanted to ask, you know, USC just did a study, not just, but they said in from 2012 or 2002 to 2014, out of 1,300 top grossing movies, only 4% were directed by women. 4%. So, and probably most of those directed by Catherine Bigelow or something like that. So, <laughs> can, you, can you address what that's about? And then to Effie and, and um, Janet, like, how is the, in, we're shifting in diversity here in America, we're starting to think about it, but internationally, how are they gonna catch up? How are they gonna finance? How are they gonna finance a package that's directed by a woman or people of color on screen? Like, what's that gonna be like? And in response to the last question about internationally, this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my understanding, and um, internationally, it's a bit of a lie that we're being told. And I'm talking about it more from the experience of when they, and from my experience of saying they say black films don't travel. And that's actually a big lie. They actually travel and they make money. 
it's something to do with here in the states where they like they're like sorry so international terrible. sales can't do it I don't know but like that like I'm talking about the Kevin Hart movies and there's other movies uh, dear white people like we did well overseas and I <clears throat> and I know that you know and I also feel that in you know the content and like Africa I mean it's Africa is a continent but like in the countries like Ni um, Nigeria there's other there's a lot of industry that is there of people that are looking to see content that reflects them, but also international content that also reflects them. So I think it's bullshit. Honestly, I'm going to call it and just say, I think that's a, that's a lie. And we've actually once again bought into that lie again. Um, and then as for women, you know, I have my thoughts on it, but do you, I feel like I've been talking a lot. No, it's, it mm -hmm. is, there's a lot of lies that mm -hmm. have been sort of festering, I think, that have just permeated the thinking. And once you realize, you know, the same thing that New York Times article said, there, that, that white people only carry, you know, blockbuster movies or yeah. successful movies, that's a lie. There's, there's evidence that's not the case at all. And when there's a very diverse cast, those movies often do extremely well. So all these, again, I, I come back to those two words, unconscious bias. I think mm -hmm. people got comfortable with these notions, maybe back in the 30s or whatever, you know, black didn't sell or who knows. But we're oh, in a right. totally different era now. And, and yes, and the, the, one of the big sea changes that America soon will not be the biggest box office. Yes in the world, but not only that, not only will China supersede America's, but many, many other countries. It used to be that America dominated the global box office, you know, 80%, 90%. Now, most of the sales come from overseas. Yeah. So, isn't it just obvious that we <laughs> should have more people of color on screen? I mean, it just seems so obvious. You know, you see movies like Fast and Furious, there's so many examples. So I think it's starting to sink in. It just takes a while because old habits die hard and the institutions are so embedded in a way of doing things. But we, we'll, we're seeing, it's all getting it's all shaken lot, yeah. up now. Hey guys, how's it going? My name's Ian, um, like the boys, and I just want to thank you guys all for being here today. Um, I have a question. So as a female Asian-American filmmaker, um, and I feel like with all this talk about diversity and sort of female empowerment right now, are there any sort of platforms or um, programs that you can suggest besides Project Involved where I, I can actively get involved in or subscribe to or be a part of that's going to help me or help find a mentor that will foster my career more? I'm kind of out of that loop right now, but I know they're the studios and yeah. the, well, television. I, every studio, I think, now has been at least guilt-tripped into doing something, and every <laughs> network. In fact, this afternoon, they'll, they're supposed to be the guy from Warner Brothers named Kiko Washington. He's very ill now. He probably can't come, but there's every network, and I'm happy to share those names. The woman on my panel this afternoon is, gonna, is called Emerlyn. She's with ABC, but NBC has one, CBS has one, Every major company has a diversity person. Yep. Fox, every studio, every network. It's like Duragura now. So how much they're doing and what they're doing, at least there's a thing, you right. know, a person you can contact. And I still think uh, Project Involve is Project Involve, but Film Independent is an organization that I swear by, that it's of like-minded people in television and film that you can mentor, you can get resources, and there's labs. So. Just putting that out there. And she's on the board. Yes. <laughs> That's a good thing. Right. We have one here and then one in the back over there after. 
trying to get everybody into Thank you, ladies, for your insight. Um, have you found support, or maybe more surprisingly, sexist um, feelings from our own male brown counterparts in the mm. industry? Ooh, that's yeah. a good question. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, no, I've actually, oh, sorry. Um, as for, uh, I've actually, and this is where people are like, you seem like you're so hardcore, and I am, but I have actually been really supported by men and men of color, and actually white men too, like, I'm not gonna lie. There's some really, we call them woke men, you know what I mean, <laughs> who are really, that are down, you know what I mean? It's like, or like he for she, you know what I mean? But like, I, and they, and I feel like there is, um, they, it's not malicious. They're like, yo, just tell me what to do. Like, I'm a do like, what? I'm not thinking about it all the time. I don't have to. But now that you told me, what do I do? And I feel it's not like our, you know, it's a little bit of a cross to bear, perhaps. But like, so what? We got to, you know, we have to educate as we entertain. What do you think? You have I, I am, you well, <laughs> they were asking people studio. I'm not a studio head. I don't know these things. No, but like, there's people support of anybody. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, as the brown folks, the Pakistani I, girl come out, they yeah. loved you up, girl. What? They have actually, yeah. You know, they haven't had got haven't had too much flack from the the male side. They've been really good about it, and especially even um, the movie I just did and the movie I'm working on are largely very testosterone based, and uh, nobody had a really problem with that. So, I don't know. No, I'm exactly. okay. So. They were woke. Um, my, oh, I just, okay. um, my Asian brothers have been extremely supportive of my career and my work because I think, you know, they feel marginalized too. It's like, come on, you know, we have to help you. Um, and one of my biggest mentors is a white, straight male who works in the studio system. And the reality is when he's attached and he says, you know, I support Pam, doors open. Mm. And it's not something that you can't sniff at, you know. And I'm so grateful to him. His name is Don Hahn. And... Um, you know, I say whoever supports you, I don't care what color they are, what gender, right. you embrace them. Yep, that's for sure. I'll give a clap to that myself. Good. That lady in the corner. Hi, uh, thank you ladies for speaking today. Um, but I wanted to uh, chime in and answer the woman in the front who had a question about how can she get connected to the industry and how can she begin that process. I work at CAA and yes. we've started a global development group where we're creating partnerships with the top Latin American, Asian and Arab film festivals around the world. Domestically, we're doing the same thing. And I work with Michelle who's uh, from CAVE who's here today and Milton, there's Michelle back there. and. Uh, it's real active change that's happening uh, within a place where people seem that it's so far reach. Um, so please reach out to these individuals. We read and we see everything and we send out everything that we read and we see every other week to a group of about 35 to 40 agents who work across departments in our London and our LA and our New York offices. So know that there is real change happening, and we're working with programs like yourself, Effie, to, to uh, further support uh, diverse voices, because we realize that it's not a trend, it's, it's not something that's gonna be here today and gone tomorrow, it's just part of the future. What's, What's your, your name? email address? <laughs> we're like, Can girl, you, you better give us your information. And right. contact info, Bianca, and, and I'll be around, and there's a group of us here. There's oh, gonna excellent. be Christina Chow, she's gonna be joining the, the five o'clock, just oh, okay, to listen good. in, but thank you. And also, yeah. Michelle Sugihara, I think, should stand up so people know her, if, if you don't already. Is she here? I thought you said she was. She's there in the corner. She's like, I am standing. So, CAPE yeah. is another yeah. very, very important organization for Asian Americans. So, and anybody else who wants to be well, a 
representative of an organization that's doing some great things, please, visual, you know, let's visual communication. get to know each other. Tell, visual hello. communications, hello. Yeah. David Magdale is standing back there, SAG one of the co-directors. SAG-AFTRA down there. SAG-AFTRA. SAG What's your name? Uh, my name is Lynn Hanami. I'm oh, sorry. Hi, I'm Lynn Hanami, the national chair of the SAG-AFTRA Asian Pacific American <laughs> Media Committee. Okay, there you go. So, that mic. join us. <laughs> great. See? We got some Anybody boys. else? Yeah. <laughs> yes? Oh, you had a question. Okay. Question. But. Your time is like going to 10 minutes. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Shantae Griffin, and I'm not a filmmaker, but I do sketch comedic content on the All internet. Right. But I'm wondering, are there any groups outside of Array or other places where different artists of color, particularly women, can join forces? Do these organizations exist, or is it just like women in film? Am I making sense? That's a really good question. Yeah, you know what? Um, I haven't ever seen like formal organizations. I feel like a lot of it, we, we're always looking for an organization. A lot of it happens at places like this. Like we and talk about together, visual right? communications. Yeah. yeah. We should have one. There yes. should be one. Form one. Let's create a women of women color. Women yeah. <laughs> Why not? We're branding it now. We got a sign up list going right now. Yeah. I also feel <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just going to chime in based Ooh. on my personal experience. Um, I've met people through this festival. I interned here six years ago. And Aww. I've just always been in touch with, you know, David Magdale, Abe Ferrer, and just, you know, meeting people here, like everyone on stage with me now, and people in the audience has been really beneficial for me. Um, and also just anywhere, like a lot of people talk about networking events, which personally I mm -hmm. hate, <laughs> but only because they're so formal. Like you'll meet people just throughout, just like getting yourself out there, coming to festivals like this, meeting people, and then there are Google groups. I don't know if you're part of, like, there's a lot of, like, mm, like Facebook groups and yeah, email like, groups. Like, I, I don't together. know. There's a lot out there. It's just... It's too much. It's almost overwhelming it's little, it in a weird way, you know? <laughs> Paula, you should talk about your background and what you do, because you're doing oh. cool things, too. Yeah. Like, Aww. you're Putting a person on stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I host and produce F This Weekly podcast, which is kind of like my passion project. And I actually have met a lot of really cool women of color who work in the industry through it. I recently had Tess Paras who got married on the season finale of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, if anyone saw that. Um, and I, you know, I've interviewed Anna Akana who has, you know, got over 1.5 million subscribers on YouTube. She's a working actress. She was an Ant-Man. And recently, hello, my name is Doris. Um, I feel like doing stuff like that you get mm -hmm. to meet a lot of people, and I also do marketing and digital stuff for a production company, Annapurna, um, which has been a really cool, amazing, creative experience. <laughs> Shout out Maddie in the audience, um, and Jacob. Um, I don't know, and I actually also worked at, at a studio. I worked at Sony Pictures for over five years in international publicity, which was actually very fascinating to see how movies made in the Hollywood studio system played internationally. I never knew anything about that before working at Sony, so it was a very interesting experience, and I think a lot of what you were talking about, about how tastes are changing abroad, um, I got to see that in what mm -hmm. I did, so um, I don't know. You just go out there and do it. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Uh, any other questions? We have one gentleman has yeah. a question yeah. in the back. Yes. Um, I, I love what, what was said about, um, you know, like unconscious bias and also strength in numbers. Um, I'm, I'm wondering though, like, um, f uh, you know, be because, because you all are in some, you know, a position of like being able to control like what happens like with your projects, 
Um, like, <laughs> I never really like. Not really. Sorry, sorry. That was worded badly, but but like, I'm. Uh, my question was was just like, what um, are, are there steps that you guys take to like kind of ex to like actively unlearn your 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 unconscious Ooh. bias because because nice. like because you know like it plays into you know like the concept of intersectionality and and the fact that I always see projects of like these are LGBT people of color and like usually LGBT usually just means L and G. You know? Mm hmm Yeah. That's true. I feel like this is just, you know, outing myself and all my weaknesses, but I remember in a lot of scripts that I'd be working on, you have this idea when it's a random person, like the dude who's selling coffee at a coffee shop or something, you think your stock character is a white male. You do. And, that, and you have to really take the steps and go, wait a minute, why does that happen? It's as if, like, you, something in the back of the mind, your mind, the way you grow up or whatever it is, is like, oh, well, if I make him something else or a different gender or a different... Um, ethnicity, that's like a choice and am, am I pushing something or something like that? And then you realize you have a script full of a whole bunch of white dudes. Mm -hmm. And so there, there are steps that need to be taken. I actually had, um, I don't know if we have time for this, but after you guys answer his question, I think this would be interesting for these guys to teach me. I'm going to give you a, can I? It'll take like a one second. Go for it. A, here's like a case study, because you guys are all more experienced than me. So this movie that I'm working on right now, has a, it's about magicians. It has a cast of four lead characters. Now, if you go to any magic circles, I've been like kind of doing research at the Magic Castle, it is all um, white, white men, right? And so if you're going for the authenticity thing, then those four characters are all going to be white men. Right. But something in here is like, well, I wish I had some women in the script, or I wish I, and now are you being, are you pushing something at that point? These are the conversations we've literally been having with people in different funding sources and things. So how would you approach those questions and it's kind about of the Magic Castle? It's not it's about the Magic Castle, but magic. the main character is a magician who's trying to get back to the top of his game and go, takes part in a magic competition. Mm, noted with yeah. that. Mm. But there's like David Blaine. There's like, another, there's like people of color out there. Okay, so magicians. but like, okay, so not, forget no, 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 the four. Like, I would say, I would, I would <laughs> say. No, but I would say like, yeah, just, just to, to clarify real quick. No, he's not. Is it David Blaine? No, he's like, David Blaine's white? He doesn't have any white. We've totally divulged. He doesn't have any David Blaine. David Blaine is no, white. I've been at parties with David Blaine. He's not like. I is he white? I know that Obi, my assistant, is like, he shut is up, he's white. <laughs> well, I thought he was black. He looked black. He's a hell of a <laughs> black. Black? Really? I wish he were black. He's white. He, David Blaine took one of my rings and put Get it in out, a, really? like, in a, really? yeah, what at a party. The, what do I do? I can't ask that question. I, I thought he was like, I think sure. everybody he was like this close <laughs> And I didn't see black. Okay, but <laughs> what about all the other Maybe. random people who, who are in the Magic Castle? You go there, or like the Magic yeah, Castle no, type arena. Absolutely true. So what, I, how would you guys navigate those? Or do you like God. insert people? Or I do would. You feel, yeah? Honestly, I mean, just to stop, I mean, like, absolutely, because... Uh, and use we it. We have the access. Yeah. Do you know use what it. I mean? Like yeah. use it. Maybe have a woman of color who's there and show her struggling to get into that I circle. I do have one of those well, pictures. Yeah. <laughs> My last movie had so many males. There, so there like, are some okay. really big magicians in other foreign countries who are like in Japan. There it's like like really popular. And some of the like I think one of the biggest ma magicians youth are is Japanese. I, they, that entered some competition. So I would put some international people in your mm -hmm. film. Yeah. So you're saying you guys would put it in in a way that is not authentic that what's out there. No, but there's also, I went, my nephew happens to be a professional magician. I just saw his show called The Illusionist at the Pantages. Nice. The guy who won the top, top prize and considered the best magician in the world is Korean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he, yeah. he was in the show. Yeah. I, I just have to yeah. interject real quick. David Blaine was a quarter Puerto Rican. So <laughs> like, it like something. All right, call him black, whatever. I was like, somebody a little color. This is Wikipedia. I was like, I really like, I had a little bit of a moment. 
I but really David wanted Blaine's to, last name is White. To David Blaine up. White, which is like, yeah, I was like, you know what? What's happening? We have to find somebody. Um, That's okay. <laughs> that was going to be the first thing that I Googled, so I'm glad. <laughs> Me too. I was yeah. awesome. I'm like, is I just hoping? Um, I think this was really amazing. This is a oh, so fantastic conversation. I think we're out of time. Or we have room for one more? One more. Yeah, I, I kind of stole from his question, oh so God, if you want to, like, sorry. Oh, yeah. address it. Question. He said, do you have to, like, dial back your kind of racial or, like... No, that, uh, he was saying, your unconscious bias, yeah. Oh, how do we, because you know what? We avoid it because it's something about us. Because like, we're like our unconscious bias, like how do we uh, actively change our unconscious bias, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's like, my question was just about like how did, like what steps do you take in your personal everyday lives to like expand on your, on like our individual limited ideas of what inclusivity even looks like. Yeah. Because, you know, like, I do, like, mm -hmm. like to some people, inclusivity is, like, women of color, but, but like, there, but that still is excluding, you know, gender non-conforming people and totally. queer people. So, totally. I mean, I have to say for myself, when I, I have to read a lot of scripts and I meet a lot of people, and I find myself, because I'm coming from a generation that was very, so I still see, like, I still see a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Where I have to sort, because that's, like, what you, beep, 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 that we would always would see and have to sort of, like, that is not what that looks like. You have to sort of go in and mentally change. But for myself, I always have to go, why not? Why can't it be? And that's what I do all the time. And I also check myself, and more so now, like, race, I feel I'm pretty good with. Um, you know, I made my bones, you know, in queer cinema, you know what I mean? Like, but I'm a cheerleader and all of that. So like, I, that's always been like of my, I feel like my people. But what I do find now is women. Like when I'm reading a script, like it's weirdly how like women are being described, mm -hmm. how we are often like, what does she look like? And I'm like, that's not what this is fucking mm -hmm. up. Excuse me, this is not what this is about. <laughs> do you know okay. what I mean? But it's because we're so trained of like, she is 30 and looks like the da 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 da. Like, and I have to be like, no. What is this about? What is this about? So that's how I'm personally doing it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I've been doing it for a while because, again, I've been working with China, and it's, it's first of all, it's really hard to find material, to find IP, to find books, to find anything that actually puts Asian characters in a meaningful role. It is really hard. You know, one that would be appealing to many people. You can obviously find things in China, and that's why a lot of Chinese filmmakers are just making films for that audience, and there's a, it's a complex issue, but, so I'm constantly going, would this work if the, uh, uh, you know, constant, constant, constant. And it's a good eye-opener because you can, you can, you know, put in, a substitute Asian, brown, Indian, African, yeah. whatever. Whatever it is, substitute, like, take out what's normally there, exit out, and just fill in your own blank. And it's a, it's a really, you know, very effective exercise, I think. We have those biases. It's un, you know, yep. it's unavoidable, but uh, we can also change them. And I think also it's like having panels like this where you can like openly discuss it. I think that's important. I think that, you know, leads mm -hmm. to change. So hopefully this has helped people who are here or at least inspired filmmakers or entertained you in some way. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Lena, Effie, Janet, Pam. Thank you. So we'll be around for questions um, and, and stick around for the five o'clock yes. um, panel. Yeah. Thank you. You did a great job. I am really now looking at really just yeah. saying what David said. <laughs> <laughs> you just tuned in to Women for the Win, a panel discussion with Effie Brown, Janet Yang, Pamela Tom, and Lena Khan 
hosted by F This Weekly Podcast, a.k.a. me. For more on these filmmakers and their work, check out fthisweekly.com. If you like what you heard, then subscribe to F This Weekly Podcast on iTunes and rate and review it. Get effed up in your inbox by signing up for the newsletter at fthisweekly.com slash getfedup. The music in this episode is by Uffy and Poddington Bear. Thanks for tuning in to F This Weekly. Catch you next week. Thank you.